Yeah, that's the signal. Everybody sit down. Come on in. Uh, welcome to Community Bible. Uh, I'm glad to see everybody out on such a beautiful day. Psalm 84. And it should be, there you go. You can keep your Bible closed if you want to look up here. Okay. Psalm 84. How lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. My soul longed and even yearned for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. The bird also has found a house and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of, or Lord of hosts, my God and my King. How blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. How blessed is the man whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. Passing through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The early rain also covers it with blessings. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God, and look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, how blessed is the man who trusts in you. And thank you for the word. Father God, we just ask that you would be with us this morning. As we listen to your word, Father God, make it alive in our hearts. Make us draw near to you, Father God, through the Holy Spirit's power. We just ask that your glory would fill this temple here today. That we would all feel the presence of your wonderful Holy Spirit here. Father, be with Doug as he speaks. Um, give him wisdom in all that he says. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Please take your Bibles and turn again to Psalm 84. It's a wonderful passage. We're talking about enjoying God in our series right now. Um, and one of the ways that we are privileged to enjoy him is to experience an ever abiding presence of God in our lives. And to cultivate that. One of the um, most influential books in my life as a young person was this one I'm holding in my hand right now called Closer Than a Brother. It's a remake of Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. Um, but it talks about, uh, I mean, it's, it's a novel. It's a story of a guy who's assigned as a dishwasher and in a restaurant and and how he learns to turn that environment into an opportunity to experience an ongoing communication with God and just how that transforms his whole attitude and therefore his workplace and people asking him what is it about you that's so different um, and he's able to share with them that it's it's a knowledge of uh, of the living God. 
Moses understood the value and need of the personal experience of God when at a certain time in Israel's history, God got fed up with these people because they kept complaining. They were an obstinate people. And God said, you're going to go into this promised land, but I'm not going with you. Because if I were, I would probably wipe you guys out. I'd be so angry with your continual complaining, obstinance, uh, um, refusal to trust me. And, and what does Moses say? His words are recorded in, in Exodus chapter 33. He says, Lord, if you don't go with us, don't send us. Because your presence is the distinctive uh, quality that, that defines us as a people. Others look at us and they say, this is a people with whom God dwells. And, and I would just like to suggest to us that this is the, the marvelous thing about being a Christian, is that we enter into a real living dynamic relationship with God himself. It's a privilege he gives us when we receive Christ as our Savior. He comes into our life in the person of the Holy Spirit and he takes up residency there, never to leave. This presence was found in the fullness of bodily... The, the deity of God was found completely in Jesus. Jesus said in Hebrews... Or it's said of Jesus in Hebrews 10, 5 that a body you have prepared for me. So we see Jesus, the fullness of God, um, the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. His glory was seen in fullness in this person this, as he tabernacled among us. Um, and now the church, you and me, are the fullness of Christ in the world. We are the body of Christ. We are the place where Christ dwells. So Paul says in Ephesians, he says, you also are being built up together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. We are the holy temple. We're the place where God's spirit lives. So my question to you and my challenge to myself as well is, how do we cultivate this presence of God? If it's real and it's for us to enjoy and it's really critical to who we are as people, it makes us distinct because we have God in our lives. How do we cultivate that? In this psalm before us, Psalm 84, we see a few um, ways in which the psalmist cultivates the presence of God. First of all, I'd like you to, to, to uh, consider that we are called to seek God with every ounce of strength we have. N note in verse 2, My soul longed and even yearned for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. So, what's he talking about here? His soul, his heart, even his flesh, all of, all of him yearned for the place where God dwelt. And, and in, in this, under the Old Covenant, he's referring to the temple. 
this is the place that they travel to every year, and sometimes more often than that, to be where God was. His heart yearns for that. Blaise Pascal says that there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man that cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator made known through Jesus Christ. God has created us with this desire, this need to fellowship with Him, to, to be with Him, to be at one with Him. And sometimes we fill this vacuum with a lot of other things, substitutes, right? You know, material things, relationships, children, um, jobs, careers, school, all kinds of things can fill this God-shaped vacuum, but nothing really satisfies. They're all distractions. They're good things. They're gifts from God to enjoy, but they're not God himself. God himself is the only one who can satisfy us, the only one who can give us the strength we need. And so that's why James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I want to just do a sidebar here for a minute because this is really exciting. Just mark this down as a note. In Second Chronicles chapter 14 and 15, there's a picture of this need to seek after God. And this is seen in this king of Judah called Asa, who... Um, takes over after his father dies. And um, it says, he, command, he commanded Judah to seek the Lord their God with all their hearts. And then one of the things that happens right off in Asa's rule is that this Ethiopian army of a million strong come up against them. They just have a few people by comparison. And what does Asa do? But he seeks his heart. To, he seeks to, to, to seek after the Lord. I'm sorry. He sets his heart to seek after the Lord. And this is what he says in verse 11. Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord, there is no one beside you to help in the battle between the powerful and those who have no strength. So help us, O Lord our God, for we trust in you and in your name have come against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Let not man prevail against you. So this is what I'm going to suggest, and it will be borne out in chapter 15 of Second Chronicles, is that God allows stresses to come into our lives difficulties, anxieties, stresses to draw us to him. We, they're not desirable. We don't like them, but they're tools. They're like ways that God gets our attention and says, now turn to me. Now, we, we don't have to turn to him in those times. We can look at all of our other resources and try to garner up strength to face the foes of whatever they may be. But God just wants us to turn to him. Asa does that so well. And, and that's the thing I love about this king. Um, it says this in verse 2 of chapter 15. He went out to meet oh, this prophet of the Lord, Arizai, Azariah, goes out to meet Asa. 
And he says to him, the Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will let you find him. And if you forsake him, he will forsake you. And so this is what he does. In their distress, they turned to the Lord God of Israel and they sought him and he let them find him. So note this about God. This is great theology. God wants you to find him. But he wants you to seek him. And if you set your heart to seek him, he's going to reveal himself to you. He's going to let you find him. Because that's what he wants is his relationship. So James's words to us, draw near to God. Take a step toward him and he will draw near to you in whatever that distress is. And there's lots of those things in our lives. God's, God uses those. To draw us close to him. And so, I mean, the chapter just goes on and repeats this whole theme. Seeking the Lord and God letting them find him. So, I would, I would implore you. Let your soul long and even yearn for the presence of God. Let your heart and your flesh sing for joy to the living God. Draw near to him. Consider... Um, the bird in this psalm. It says that the bird finds the swallow, finds a place that she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts. That's verse 3. So, it's like the psalmist is saying to us, consider the lessons from nature. Even the birds have more sense than we do sometimes. She goes and she finds a safe place that's instinctual for her, a place where she can have her babies. And, and where does she choose as he's sitting there gazing at the beauty of the Lord in his temple? He notices that she's chosen a place right by the altar, close to the king, the God who cares for her. That's her security. That's the place to raise your young. It's in the presence of God. Isn't that a lesson for us? We have a Father who cares for us. He loves us more than we can imagine. And He's told us that, you know, consider the birds. They don't sow, they don't reap, but your Father takes care of them. He cares for you even more than the birds of the sky. So my question to you and to myself is, where do we find, where do we feel most secure? When do we feel most secure? Is it when all of our relationships are going well? Is it when our finances seem to balance? Is it when we're at peace with our job and other people? When do we feel most secure? Is it when we know and feel loved by others, accepted, approved? Or is it when we find our peace and our security completely in Him, which transcends circumstances? Verse 4, he says, cultivate the presence of God. He says, how blessed are those who dwell in your house, they are ever praising you. 
And so he's looking at those who serve in the temple here. And he's saying, lucky dogs. They're always there in the house of God. I wish I could do that. And under the old covenant, the worshiper did need to travel some to get to the temple, the place where God dwelt. What does Jesus say to us? He says, see this vine and branch and how the vine has to supports the branch. I want you to stay connected because I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me and let my words abide in you. And you will ask what you will and it will be done for you. Without me, you can do nothing. But with me, you can do all things. So abide. Cling to Jesus. He's your ever-present Lord. So I have this book, Practicing the Presence of God, that I would love to lend to anyone who would be interested in understanding a little bit more of just how can I cultivate this presence of God in my life. Um, in this book, he does a great job of just making some, some very practical suggestions. See me after church, and I'd love to give that to you. The second thing I'd like you to consider here after yearning and longing for God is to turn your heart into a highway to God. Pray. Practice the privilege of prayer. He says in verse 5, How blessed or how happy is the man whose strength is in you, in whose hearts are the highways to Zion. How blessed or happy is the one who finds his strength in you. So the author knows the road to Zion well, and he has trod that road frequently. He also knows the path of prayer well. He's used that like you know, a highway to God. What are some of the distinctives about a highway? It's well-traveled. The surveyor makes it very direct, efficient use of space from A to B. Lots of things are happening on a highway, right? You can probably think of some other distinctives of a highway. That's describing his, his, his prayer life with God. That When he's in trouble, when he's in distress, what does he do? He turns right to God. He doesn't have to go to a temple. He goes right, right to God himself directly. And he pours out his heart to the Lord. And finds that God is there for him always. Do you find God with you in response to your prayers? Answering your prayers? I would suggest and challenge you to write down what your requests are. And then to look for God as he answers those requests. And I think we'll all be surprised at just how faithful God is. Certainly there are times when God says no. And God says, wait, but he's always faithful. And we can track in our experience God's faithfulness to us. In that relationship, as we turn our hearts toward God, we find that he is our strength. 
that he gives us what we need. And I love the passage in Isaiah. It says, Isaiah asks the question, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he does not grow weary or tired. His ways are inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary and to him who lacks might. He increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. God is not only reliable, but he is faithful to his children. Those of us who become weary and weak and broken, we can't carry on. God is there to pick us up, to comfort us, to encourage us, to strengthen us. When? When we wait upon him for strength. When we look completely to him. He gives us what we need. So, we're called by the Apostle Paul to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Not in our own, but in God's might provided for us. And then, another wonderful image here is that in turning to Him and turning our hearts into a highway to Him, sometimes we travel through the valley of Bacah. Now, this is a valley that was on the way to their pilgrimage to Jerusalem for worship. And it was a dry, arid, hot place of suffering. It actually means a valley of weeping. Baca means weeping. It's a place where the child of God had to pass through on his way or her way to worship. So, we know that valley well, don't we? How many of us have wept, literally wept, saying, how much longer, Lord, can I carry on? How difficult life is. All the odds seem to be against me. And on and on. It's a valley of weeping that's common to every Christian. What David says in Psalm 30 is, weeping may last for a night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. God promises that if we hang in there, if we continue to be faithful and trust him, that there will be reprieve, that he will strengthen us and establish us. And there will be a shout of joy at his faithfulness to us. We are not sheltered from trials or tribulations. There are relational conflicts. There's anxieties that beset all of us. Shattered hopes and unfulfilled expectations, physical suffering and illness, even sometimes terminal diagnoses that, frankly, we don't know what to do with. But God promises that he will carry us through. And for those who experience that ultimate passage from life from life to death to eternal life, He promises to deliver us to his eternal kingdom, which he has prepared for us. And so the Apostle James tells us 
Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith will produce endurance and let it have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God is at work making us into the image of His Son, always with us, And he uses all kinds of difficulties to bring us to that place. But we know that it is his work. And he tells us in verse 7 that those who trust him and rely on him will go from strength to strength. And every one of them will appear before God in Zion. He will bring us to himself. The third thing I'd like you to consider is to expect God to respond to you. In this passage, we see in verse 8, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God, and look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Expect God to respond. Yearn for Him. Make your heart a highway to God. And then expect God to respond. Because that's what God does. This is a relationship, a dynamic relationship of faith. O Lord of hosts, hear my prayer, He cries. Turn your ears to me so that you might hear my prayers And look with your eyes upon me. Great metaphors. In other words, I need your full attention, God. Look at me. Consider. And sometimes I think that we're not willing to do that with God. We think God is so busy with so many things that we don't want to just add another burden onto him. And, and sometimes my trouble seems so minor in comparison with yours that I don't feel like I have a right to infringe on God's presence. But that's not God. That's not the God of the Bible. He's everywhere, fully present at all times, so that He can give every child His undivided attention. And He's concerned about you, not just in relation to the whole, but as an individual. So, take advantage of this right and privilege as a child and pour out your heart before Him, for God really is refuge for us. Now, um, we have at our house some of those baby monitors and had our nephew and niece over for a while uh, not long ago, and she had this infant, and we set up the monitors again, and... um, She's down in the kitchen talking while the baby's way upstairs in some, you know, corner room. And, and, but, but we noticed, you know, Ashley, that, that all the while she had one ear, you know, listening. Her, her husband, my, my nephew, was oblivious. But she's like tuned to every sound, every breath that this child was taking. And, and I think Ashley's like God. To us, He's listening. He cares about every breath we take. He's tuned to us, even as a mother is to her child. So 
David can say, I'm praying to you because I know you will answer, O God. Bend down and listen as I pray. (laughs) This is David asking God to bend down and listen. When was the last time you asked him to do that? I need you to hear me, God. Pour out your heart before him. Because as you draw near to him, he takes steps toward you. He responds to that yearning, that longing for him. And he will respond. So, linger long in his presence. A day with the Lord is better than a thousand elsewhere. That's where the real quality of life comes. Be like Mary. Remember Mary and Martha? The best part. She lingered at the feet of Jesus. She listened. She clung to every word that he said. Linger long in his presence because that's where life really exists. It's not just quantity, but it's that quality of life. The Lord God is a sun and shield. He gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk up rightly. Our God is our sun and shield. He's a sun, a source of light, but he's also a consuming fire. God is a shield to protect us, and he will in every way as we call upon his protection and defense. Rest in him. Have confidence that he will take care of you. Walk by faith, because that's what the Christian life is all about. The just shall live by faith, and he will deliver us. He is worthy of our trust, isn't he? He is completely worthy. Let this psalm just wash over you. Enter into the psalmist's prayer. Make your heart a highway to God. Long and thirst for Him. And cry out to Him because you're a child of God. You have a right to the throne of grace. And He bids you come to find help in time of need. You have a Savior who loves you. And whoever lives to make intercession for you. Cultivate that presence with Christ. Cultivate it and draw close. Now, if you're here today and you say, I don't know the presence of God. I've been a religious person. I've tried to do the best I can with God and life. But I don't know this kind of relationship that you're talking about. You can know that today. You can enter into the joy and the beauty of that relationship that makes life really worth living. All you have to do is recognize that you're a sinner. That you deserve to die. The Bible tells us that the soul that sins shall die will be eternally separated from God. But know that God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for your sins. So that you wouldn't have to take that upon yourself and suffer your own penalty. Christ paid the penalty for you and for me. With his blood on the cross, the righteous for the unrighteous that I might become righteous as I take on His righteousness as my own. Trust Him. Tell the Lord, I want you, Lord Jesus, to be my Savior. I thank you that you died on the cross in my place. Come into my life and be my Savior. 
I want to walk with you. I want a relationship with you that transforms life and gives me hope and peace. Know that today, my friends. If you're here and you say, I'm a believer, but I feel distant from God. (laughs) Somehow I've lost that, that closeness, that love, that affection, that, that, that real fellowship with God. Maybe there's something before you, that between you and God, that's keeping you. A sin that you just won't give up, or that you won't acknowledge, or you won't confess. James says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And then he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. He says, there's something wrong. You, You can't draw near to God and expect that close fellowship if there's something between you and God. But the good thing is that Christ already died for those sins. So all you need to do now is just to confess and say, Lord, I am a sinner and I have sinned against you. I want to turn from that sin. I repent. And by your grace, I will walk with you in holiness because of what Christ has done for me. Your fellowship is restored. You trust God. Jesus died for that sin. I move on. It's as easy as that. We have a great God who loves us and who wants us to enjoy his presence. Let's do that. Let's rejoice and enjoy the presence of God. Father, I ask that you would help us as your people to show the distinctiveness of who we are to the world because you dwell in us. And it makes all the difference, Lord, for you to shine your life out through us. Love through us. Be gentle through us. Be understanding through us. Promote righteousness and justice and truth through us, Lord. Help us to represent you in this world. That we might be the salt and light that Jesus talked about. Oh God, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please, for the benediction. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Go in peace.